0: Those of you that don't know, I want to welcome all of our guests. I am A.J. Dun, I'm the lead pastor here at the Crossroads, and I do want to welcome everyone who's watching us online. We have a great group of people who watch us online and more, a little bit more every week, and uh, thank you for tuning in. We are making strides to make our live stream an even better experience for you, and uh, so if you're watching today on live stream or Facebook live, we are so thankful. Amen. I want to just, I'll let you be seated. Amen. I want to thank God, and I'm, I'm not going to go crazy here, but I want to thank you. We have been, uh, we, we got our greater campaign kicked off. How many of you know what that is? Stewardship campaign? We got our stewardship campaign kicked off. Uh, so far, we have not got uh, all of the first fruits in, and there are still people that are still making commitments, and if you haven't yet, you can still make a commitment uh, for our greater campaign. It, it is giving above and beyond our tithes and offerings over the next couple of years. And uh, so far, uh, we have had over $14,000 come in with our first fruits. So let's give God a hand for that. Amen. We are so thankful. We are going to pay this mortgage down. Amen. We're going to see what God has got in store for this church. We're excited about the greater things that He has got coming for us. Amen. Amen. And for those of you, you're still, that's why I say yet, because some of you I know you've told me Pastor, I haven't had a chance yet to put my first fruits or my. Uh, some of you haven't even put your commitments yet in, and I want to encourage you to do that today uh, before you leave. We are excited. This is the first month we're really getting rolling, and uh, it's just going to be amazing. We're going to watch God do some incredible things. Let me just tell you, I'm gonna, I, I'll try to tell you a little testimony every week because I've got several already. Let me just tell you what happened to me, okay? This is what happened to me this week. So last week... God is my witness, my wife is my witness, Uh, Sister Alan and and Brother Dummett are my witness. We put our First Fruits check in last Sunday, and we waved it, and we were thankful, and we just, you know, I was thinking, man, April's a tight month. (laughs) Uh, Taxes come out, and, you know, insurance payments come out, and all that stuff. Well, God is my witness. Tuesday, I get a check in the mail that I was not expecting, For 110% back of what I put in the first fruits offering. That's just just my testimony. It doesn't always happen that way, but that's how it happened to me this week. Amen. I I walked into the school room and I showed my wife, I said, look at this. And she said, what's that? I said, I don't know. I guess it's just God keeping his promise. Amen. We're just taking God at his word. I'm so thankful for that. Have you ever? Though given thought to what the future you might look like. Anybody? Anybody thought about what the future you might look like? Well, a while back I, I, I preached a message uh, about the future you, and I'm gonna, I, I felt like I needed to, some of you need to hear this today. So I'm going to preach this again in in probably a little different way than what you uh, heard it before, if you heard it before. But if not, uh, I I want to tell you about this, and I want to tell you what what God has spoken to my heart for this week. There was a Yale graduate student that developed a website, and you can actually check it out. It's called uh, www.futureme.org. And anyone can go to this website. You can write a letter to the future, to their future selves. You can have it emailed to yourself up to 30 years in the future. And so, some of the letters are public, and uh, one of them, in the year 2009, on April 25th, a guy named Greg got an email. It was from his past self. It reminded him that he is his own best friend and his own worst enemy. It told him that in case he forgot, he once dated a woman named Michelle, and that he once wished to have a major in computer science. There's another one kind of in part from, uh, from May 31st. Uh, 2012. It was delivered on May 31st, 2017. It says, dear future me, happy birthday. You were almost done with pharmacy school. I bet you finally became a people person, right? Ha ha. I really hope you aren't still dating Adam. He actually said that he wants to be a stay-at-home dad while you bring home the money. Don't stand for that. And don't have kids, please. I hope you met a handsome pharmacy guy, too. Someone who buys you flowers and presents and makes you feel beautiful. I hope you are beautifully skinny now, too. Remember that you need to buy a house with a view of mountains and plant a garden and get a cat. Please don't gain any more weight if you plan on getting married one day. Remember that the only person you can count on to make you happy is you. I hope you made some real friends, unlike Shannon. I don't know who Shannon is, but I guess Shannon doesn't have a lot of real friends. Get some rental properties with Kevin. Stay in touch with him. I hope everyone in the family is still alive. Pop Pop has been sick, sending lots of love. Don't hate your body anymore or no one else will love it. Try your best. I hope you liked your school. I'm so excited to see it and get an acceptance letter. I hope you have learned to make eye contact with people and not be so awkward. Love me. Some people write for the short term. They write a year or less. This one was a letter from January 1st, 2018. It says, dear future me, I know you've been going through a lot and you probably want to just give up, but don't forget that God's just testing you. He's making you tougher for the coming obstacles. Don't listen to people's advice. Listen to the advice you give them. You can do anything and there's nothing you can't get. You can get whatever you want, but you just have to try a little harder for your family and for your family. I think this is a person's name Chotu, and most importantly for yourself, without the struggle, what is your success anyway? Focus on CDS. I know you can track it. Just believe in your. Uh, you can crack it. Just believe in yourself. You are a smart guy. I know you are, but you just got to let that person out and show it to the world. To the haters, that you are not a loser. You are meant for something bigger. Just hold on and face the hard times with a smile on your face. Good luck. Or I like this one. Dear future me, if your life is completely messed up or if you hate, have everything that you ever dreamed of, remember that you once sent a delayed email to yourself, that makes you a dork no matter what you are doing. <laughs> some of these letters, if you go through them and read them, they're funny, you know, they're, some of them scold and some of them dream, uh, but most of them are hoping that their future selves are better off than their present selves. Can anybody relate? Anybody hope that your future self is better than your present? I mean, you want to be worse off tomorrow or worse off a month from now than you are right now? Absolutely not. Everybody in this house is hoping, right, for a better tomorrow, for a better future. You are hoping that it will get better. Hope. Hope in Christ. Is not just hope, but there is promise of a better future. Amen. It's not just hope, but there is promise for you of a better future. So let's read together, if you would. Let's turn to John chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 6 through 10. If you'd like, you're you're welcome to stand, but we're going to read John 2, verses 6 through 10, and then we'll read Acts chapter 2, verse 39. Amen. Acts, or I'm sorry, John chapter 2, verse 6 says, and there, Now there were set there six water pots of stone in the New King James, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, Fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Draw some out now and take, to the, take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. And when the master of the feast had tested the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew... The master of the feast called the bridegroom, and he said to him, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior, you have kept the good wine until now. Amen. And then Acts chapter 2, verse 39, it says this, For the promise, everybody say the promise. The promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Amen. I would like to remind you, I'd like to just take a few moments today and remind you of your promise. I want to remind you of the promise of the future you that God has placed in his word. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We read today in our scripture, the story of Jesus' first miracle. What was the occasion of Jesus' first miracle? Well, the occasion was a wedding and then, you know, you look at the need. What was the need? The need was more wine. They were out of wine. Uh, and, and so you look at the fact that they were at a wedding and, and there was a need for more wine and Jesus turned the water into wine. And we, we read that today. Whether this wine was the alcoholic liquid that we know today, we do not know for certain, and some people uh, like to point to the Scripture and say, well, you know, it's okay for me to drink wine uh, because they did drink wine in the Scripture. And, and again, we, we look at the fact that sometimes when they're talking about wine, it's not the wine or the alcoholic liquid that we think of today. Uh, I do think it, it's good to mention that there are dangers in present-day alcohol. Uh, Solomon said it best in Proverbs 23, 31, He said, don't judge wine by its label or its bouquet or its full-bodied flavor. In 23.32 of Proverbs, Solomon said, judge it rather by the hangover it leaves you with, the splitting headache, the queasy stomach. In 23.33, he says, do you really prefer seeing double with your speech all slurred? The Bible warns over and over against liquor. There are 17 warnings against the abuse of alcohol. There are 19 examples of its abuse, and churches are cautioned three times to not elevate anybody who is prone to drunkenness. So I'm not advocating that you go out and get drunk. I'm not advocating that you make wine uh, something that you partake of on a regular basis very liberally. Are you understanding what I'm saying? But today, uh, the point of our text is that Jesus... Not just that He turned water into wine, but that He took something ordinary and He turned it into something extraordinary. It was not the same as what it was. Something common and He transferred it into, transformed it to something uncommon. He took water and He made wine. By doing this, Jesus demonstrates once and for all that yes, amen, the future is so much better than the present whenever it's placed in His hands. Amen. Whenever we say, Jesus, do what only you can do. Amen. Our future gets so much better because the master's touch, it adds value to everything in our life. I'm going to preach to some of you today because uh, you know this, but you don't know this, and so it's one of those things we need to sometimes be reminded. Something that really grabs my attention out of the text today is the specific description of the vessels that are involved, and lots of detail can be found uh, in the description of these vessels. We have the number of vessels. There were six vessels, right? We have the vessel's composition, they were made of stone, and we know the vessel's contents in the the vessels were water, and then the vessels' capacity were 20 to 30 gallons apiece. Why is there so much detail in the six water pots of stone? Uh, we, we get, and I just taught uh, Exploring God's Word Bible Study not too long ago, uh, very, the very first lesson, and first lesson uh, says it, that he made the stars also. That's just one of those five-word phrases that they just pop in there, and if you've ever done Bible study with me, you know that's like my favorite verse in the creation story. Like he's making all that. he's speaking uh, things into existence, he's lands are formed, seas are formed, uh, you know, all the skies, all the different things that happen, animals and man, and, and he just just puts in, and he made the stars also. It doesn't give a whole lot of detail. There's billions of galaxies, amen, of stars. We can't even number the stars in the Scripture. Just says he made the stars also. I think that's awesome. I think that's incredible, amen? But here, we have even more detail concerning the six stone water pots that held 20 to 30 gallons of water. Think about this. I, I, I think about How six, the number six, is commonly thought of as the number of man. Man was created on the sixth day. Uh, You you talk about the Scripture talking about how the number of man, uh, and and it refers back to six. And and stone is uh, what the water pots were made out of. Stone comes from the earth. Man, too, was made from the earth. You talk about water. Sixty to seventy-five percent of the human body is comprised of water. And then the weight, the weight was 20 to 30 gallons of water and that's anywhere from 165 to 250 pounds, the weight of a healthy and a healthier man. Could it be that these water pots were, were emblematic of something that Jesus was trying to tell us? When we look at each water pot, we see the image of a mortal man. Our Lord's first miracle was not so much to show that He could turn water into wine, but that He could transform ordinary vessels into those fit for the Master's use. Yes, this miracle is more than just a miracle. Some people wonder why it's even included uh, because it really doesn't have, right? It doesn't have a whole lot of significance. Nobody got up from their bed and walked. Nobody could then see from then on. It, It wasn't one of those kind of miracles. So some people say, why was the miracle even included? I believe it's because the miracle is the promise of the future you. I believe that's why it's included in the Scripture because Jesus wanted to remind us, hey, I can take something ordinary and I can make it fantastic. Amen. I can take something that everybody thinks is common and no good and just only useful for certain things and I can make it so much greater. Amen. This makes perfect sense according to the Scriptures because people are they're compared to vessels all through the scripture. Paul said that we have this treasure in earthen vessels, 2 Corinthians 4:7. We can be vessels of dishonor or uh, vessels of honor. Either one, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 20 and in 1 Thessalonians 4:4, 4, 4, we're commanded to possess our vessel in sanctification and honor. Our cup can be running over, or our cup can be empty. Vessels, like a vessel, Psalm 31, 12, we can be broken. Amen. You read Jeremiah. Jeremiah took a trip to the potter's house, and he watched him recreate a marred vessel. Life, like a vessel, can be marred. Life, like a vessel, can be made over again. Amen. Life can, can take you places that you wish that you hadn't gone. Things can happen to you and you can say, why am I like this? But if you'll just put yourself on the potter's wheel, amen, if you'll just come back and say, God, I'm ready for you to remake me into what you would have me to be. i tried to do it by myself. I've tried, come on somebody, I've tried to make life make sense all by myself. But God, I'm placing myself in your hands. I want you to make me whatever you want me to be. As long as you are still breathing today, there is hope for your vessel. Amen. As long as you are still breathing today, you can still make the choice. Perhaps that's how you feel. Maybe you know, you're know you of some use, but you're blemished. I wish I could just preach to you today. Amen. I wish somebody would just hear me today. Life has gotten the best of you. You feel used and you feel abused and you're not sure why anybody would want your vessel. And God asks you the same question that Jeremiah heard that day. Can I not do with you as the potter does with this vessel? Yes, I know that you've got issues. I know that your life is all messed up, but you, you, you walk and you're, you're going through life and you're trying to smile, but all you can do is manage a frown. Come on. Come on, pick your head up today. There's hope for you today. I know you're going through some stuff, but pick up your head. Amen. There's hope for you today. And some of you might say, excuse me, preacher, but I was born this way. I was born messed up. I was born all confused and frustrated. Some of you were born one way, but today you can be born again in a new way. Amen. Your life can be changed. Your life can be rearranged to what the master has intended for you. I don't care what the devil said. I don't care what your flesh is telling you. I was born this way. It doesn't matter. You can be born again into new life. You can have what God intends for you today. Amen. Amen. So we read in our text and we find Jesus at a wedding. And I just got to take a few notes here because how many of you have ever been to a wedding? Anybody ever been to a wedding? You know, something always goes wrong at a wedding. Have you ever noticed that? I'm very cynical sometimes when it comes to weddings that I'm just attending. I'm kind of like waiting to see, okay, what is going to go wrong. And sometimes you notice it. Sometimes you don't even know because it was what they had planned, and it just kind of you—you didn't even know what the plan was, so you couldn't tell. But sometimes it's very noticeable. Right? The bride was so nervous on her wedding day uh, that uh, her pastor decided he would choose a verse of scripture to bring her comfort. And he meant to read 1 John 4.18, speaking of the perfect love that casts out all fear. But he asked the best man to read during the wedding, and so the best man turned to John 4.18 instead, and it said, You have five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. That didn't go well. We, we had a well-meaning organist at our wedding. And uh, good old brother Chance, he played raindrops keep falling on my head while people were coming through the receiving line. That, that didn't go well either. It's funny stuff, it's man. People, something always happens at a wedding. Something always goes wrong. There's no such thing as a perfect wedding. That's one of the things, if I've married a couple that I have told them, there's no such thing as a perfect wedding. We might get close, but there's no such thing as a perfect wedding. Neither was the one that Jesus attended. The problem that they had was that they they ran out of wine. And can I just kind of bring this out, that sometimes life can grow empty? Anybody in here relate with this? You know, the real paradox of modern life is that people's lives are so full but so empty at the same time. (laughs) We've got more connections than ever before, but we don't have any friends. I wish somebody knew what I was preaching today. Amen. We're busy here and we're busy there. We're racing from this to that. We're finishing one meeting and going into the next. And we wonder, is this what life's all about? Amen. Our lives are full, but they're fruitless. And the fuel gauge says full, but we run on empty. The Reverend Mark Morrison Reed, in his publication, Been in the Storm So Long, he said it like this. We need to uh, fear not death, but life. Empty lives, loveless lives, lives that do not build upon the gifts that each of us have been given, lives that are like living deaths, lives which we never take the time to savor and appreciate. And he says this in closing, he says, today just remind me that I'm dying so that I can live, savor and love with all my heart. Did you know that the moment you were born, you started to die? We don't have An extended limit on life. You you can't go to the fountain of youth, and I know there's a lot of places that tell you that you can live forever. You will not live forever. Amen. We could see everybody in this place healed today of every infirmity and every sickness and every disease, and you might live longer, but you will not live longer than probably 120 years. So in 100 years, just about everybody in this building is going to be gone. Does that help you kind of bring things into perspective? We only have a limited amount of time. So what are we doing with the time that we have? We get so busy, amen, and our life is so empty. We're not really doing things that matter. We're doing things that we want to in the temporal and things that we think will make us happy and things we think will fill our lives with so much joy and so much fun and we leave feeling overwhelmed because we didn't really accomplish anything of eternal value. Is this the future that you had planned? Think about it, ten years ago, did you think this is where you would be today, if you opened a letter from the past you that you wrote to the future, you did you do well or is your life messed up? Would it measure to what you had dreamed, what you had hoped, what you had planned? I mean, you hope things would work out. you hope things would get better. You say things like, "How did I ever get here is this Is this really the person that you imagined yourself to be. Life gets empty. Life is not as fulfilling as we want to say that it is or want to think that it is. There's something wrong with how we do life. There's something messed up with the way that we live our lives nowadays. We're so uh, busy, but we're not accomplishing anything. Scripture says that they ran out of wine. They were out. Somebody say out. They were out of wine, totally out of wine. I want to just kind of uh, help you with this. When, when the party comes to a stop, whenever the wine vessels are empty, they pour hey, we're out. There's more people here than we expected. There's more stuff going on than we thought, and, and we're out of wine. And they wondered what would happen, and then Jesus happened. Can I help somebody that's here today? If you uh, are living in a present that doesn't match up to what you hoped it would be, admit it. I'm out of wine. I know the bride and groom, they thought it was going to be awesome. And then all of a sudden, it wasn't. They thought it was going to be the most magical day. And then everybody's like, "Um, I'm thirsty. Where's the wine? if you are not as fulfilled as you thought you would be now, if you are not as satisfied with life as you thought you would be, why don't you just take today and admit it? Just be honest with yourself. I know some of us, we, we, we make a living of lying to ourselves. You don't have to agree with me. Only one of you agree with me. All the rest of you that lie to yourself, you know it's true. We tell ourselves stupid stuff every day. We lie to ourselves and we try to convince ourselves, amen, that, that, that everything's okay and, and we're okay and we really don't need anything. But we need to just admit it, we're out of wine. We're out of wine. We can go no further. Then something needs to happen. Hope needs to arise in our heart. We need to realize, we need to hear the preacher today. You need to hear the Word of God today. Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Amen. If God's ever started anything in your life, if He's ever moved in your life, if you've ever felt His presence or His Spirit in your life, amen. I wonder if there's somebody in this house today that you would say, I know God has started in something in me, and I believe that He is able. I believe that the God of all hope still has the power. I believe that good things are on the way for me because I have hope in Jesus Christ. He's promised me not just a better future, but a brighter Or tomorrow, everything that he's got in store for me, that's what I want for my life. But until you're willing to admit, I'm out of wine, can't go anywhere without Jesus. Jesus may be in the room, but you're not gonna enjoy the party. Oh, it's quiet now. Man, whoo, that's deep, right. Jesus was in the room, but until they were willing to admit, we don't, we don't, we have a problem. It's okay. I know. We're trying to take it all in. Here's the good news. The good news is, according to Scripture, a better life awaits you. A better life awaits you. You're not stuck in this life that you're in right now. The devil would like you to believe that. Your flesh will tell you, oh, it can't get any better than this. I mean, you're doing as good as you can do. No, the devil's a liar. Amen. Your flesh will try to deceive you. A better life awaits you. You've got so much greater in store. Amen. When Jesus arrives on the scene, things change for the better. When Jesus shows up, amen, it's like enter Jesus, exit despair. You can't have Jesus in despair in the same scene. It just, it doesn't, it doesn't work. You know, he shows up and he says, Lazarus is sleeping. They laugh at him. No, Lazarus is dead. He's like, "Mm -mm, watch this. Why? Because when Jesus comes on the scene, even things we thought were dead aren't dead. Even things we thought were long gone are not gone. Amen. Ministries that we thought, oh, come on somebody, I wish you would hear me right now. Things that you felt like God wanted to do with your life and you said there's no way God could ever use me. He said, wait, I've still got something left. There's still a little bit more that I can do. I wonder if you'd just surrender to me again. If you'll take a chance, amen. Enter Jesus and exit despair. Let hope arise in your heart because there's promise of a future you. What did Jesus do? I look at the scripture and I find he shifted the attention from the empty vessels and he pointed to the six stone water pots. Forget the the old way of looking at things. Look to something new. These, These were not wine water pots. These were water pots. So they had vessels for wine, but the vessels for wine were empty. And he looked over at something that there was some substance with. And you might feel, you know, today, you might feel like the student archaeologist who found his career in ruins. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's how you're feeling today. Maybe you're like, you know, I, I, I'm like the frog that went to the fortune teller, pastor. Fortune teller gazed into a crystal ball and said, you're going to meet a beautiful young woman. From the moment she sets eyes on you, you will have an insatiable, she'll have this insatiable desire to know all about you. She will be compelled To get close to you, you'll fascinate her. And the frog was ecstatic and he leaped for joy and he said, Where can I meet this girl? And the fortune teller said, Biology class. A change is on the way for you, a change for the better. Amen. A change is coming today to you. I preach today not to impress you, but I preach today to impact somebody that regardless of your past disappointments, a future appointment is coming. Amen. In spite of the failures and the mishaps of your life, good things are on the way for you. I'm telling you stop rummaging through the empty vessels of yesterday and open up your soul's windows and say, yes, my change is coming today. Things are going to be better because I'm going to let God have His way in my life. I wonder if somebody today in this house, you'd shelve your cares and say goodbye. You'd bury your problems and declare, I'm not worrying about these things anymore. I'm going to fill my life with God's Word, with His promises, with His goodness. Get ready. The miraculous is on its way in my life. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. When, When Bartimaeus, amen, heard Jesus coming... Bartimaeus, when you hear that Jesus is coming, you cry out. When you hear that the answer's on the way, you just cry out, Jesus, amen, thou son of David, have mercy on me. The Samaritan woman, I'm telling you, get to the moving, amen, because he's waiting at the well for you, amen. If you say, well, this is just an ordinary day, no, he stopped by here today to turn it into extraordinary. Come on, somebody. He came by to change your life today. He wants to give you a hope and a promise of a future you. Come on, lady. Come on, lady, with the issue of blood, press your way through. If I can but touch the hem of his garment, amen, if I could just get to Jesus today, if I could just touch him, I know my life will be different. I know my life will be better. I know my life will be changed. Amen. Amen. Tear the roof off. (laughs) Come on, if you can't do it for yourself, do it for somebody else. Tear the roof off. Amen. He's here today. A new day has come. And I refuse today. I don't know how you feel, but I refuse to talk to the old you. I'm, I'm sorry, but I refuse to talk to the old life. With its misery and its frustration. And right now I want to speak to the new you. I want to speak to the future you. Amen. I speak not to the failure that you have been or that you have experienced, but I call forth a champion that lies within you. That's right. I'm calling on Jesus. Amen. Jesus who is within you. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. I wonder if there's somebody in this house that would say, I want Jesus to arise in my life today. I'm speaking to a hero in the making. I'm speaking to a good wife and a good husband in the making. I'm speaking to a disciple maker who's going to be mightily used by God. I'm shouting to the person within who wishes to come out and be seen. Who's ready for your change? Are you ready today? Are you ready for a change in your life? Hallelujah. I wonder if in this place, amen, there'd be somebody that would shout, change me, Lord. Come on, somebody shout and shout, change me, Lord. Amen. Don't be afraid today. Don't be afraid. Some of you are afraid. You're nervous. And then some of you are just too prideful. I said it and I don't apologize. I'll say it again. The reason some of you can't change is your pride. You've got to be willing to lay your pride down. Jesus can't do anything with pride. Scripture says that He resists the proud. If you've got this feeling of, I don't need Jesus, I don't need anybody, I don't need God's help, He can't help you. So we've got to be willing. Don't be afraid to lay down your pride. Don't, let me say it like this, and this may sound a little uh, cheesy, but, but don't be afraid to be vulnerable. You need to open up and be willing to be vulnerable. But pastor, you don't understand. You don't know what I've been through. You don't don't know what my family's done or my friends have done. You you can't see the hurt that I've experienced. So there's no way that you could understand. Don't be afraid. If you'll be vulnerable and you'll be real with God, something's going to happen today. I know that you've been hurt before, but you haven't been hurt by Him. He's never let you down. Amen. (laughs) Amen. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He is always there. And I would challenge you there have been times where you, know, you might have felt like uh, you were upset with God or you were angry with God because of something that happened. It's not His fault. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. Amen. Good happens and bad happens to good people and bad people. Amen. And, and I'll go even a little bit further. Because we have the power of choice, a lot of bad things happen. It's not His fault. Amen. God did not choose, amen, that, that people would make these bad decisions. He gave us the power of choice and we make the bad decisions. And because of our bad decisions, bad things happen. And we hurt people around us. And some people hurt generations of people. Some people hurt thousands of people. Some people hurt nations because of their bad choices. Pastor, what are you saying? I'm saying don't be afraid to be vulnerable because there's one who will never let you down. Some of you, the reason why you are not being changed into His image, into what He has for you, is because you are still holding on to the old you. Never be afraid. Corey Tenboom says it like this. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Our Bible says that after Jesus had the servants fill all the six stone water pots with water, he commanded them to give some to the governor of the feast. He said, draw it out. Let everyone see it. Be emptied from vessel to vessel. I could preach all day on this. I'm not going to, but what's the result? The miracle is seen by everyone. It's miraculous, amen, when something that was common and ordinary becomes extraordinary. Amen. It's awesome because everybody gets a chance to see it. The change will be noticed by everyone. Hear me today, amen, your life is getting better. Your life is getting better, amen. I want somebody to hear me today. Your future is growing brighter, And everyone's going to see it. There's going to be no mistake about it. Your neighbors are going to see it. Your family's going to see it. Your friends are going to see it. And so will your enemies. Amen. There's a man from the back mountains of Tennessee who found himself one day in a large city for the first time standing outside of an elevator. He watched as an old haggard, hobbled woman uh, got on and she just kind of... Got in there and the door closed, and a few minutes later, the doors opened and a young, attractive woman marched confidently past him. The father, the father just hollered out to his youngest son, Billy, go get your mother. <laughs> the best wine is last. The best wine is last. I don't believe in the theory of evolution, but I do hold to the fact of transformation. What God touches, He transforms. Amen. All will see it. The gathering saw it, and they were amazed. The former demoniac, amen, clothed and in his right mind. When God touches something, things change. Amen. Now, I'm not promising you can get on the elevator. And I'm, not, I'm not promising that. I'm just saying when God touches your life, what used to be negative and what used to be bad and what used to be out of place, God can say, hey, look, I can take that. I can take the most broken and I can make it beautiful again. I can take the worst off and I can make it awesome. Amen. You just wait and see what I'll do. You've got the promise today. Amen. You've got a promise today. The best wine is going to be last. The Gadarenes saw it and they were amazed. Amen. The priest saw it and they were amazed. Ten lepers are healed because Jesus spoke a word. You've got a promise today. God put this, this whole miracle, his first miracle. It could have been left out, but it wasn't left out. And it, it he let, there's, there's pages and pages and volumes of stuff that was left out. Before you get nervous we 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 already i'm not going to try to cover that today but there's a lot of things the bible says that if his if the acts were all written th- that even the world itself couldn't contain all the volumes of things that jesus did so why does he keep this one seemingly insignificant miracle in the bible it's to help you understand you've got a promise of a future you You're you're not going to be the you that you used to be if you'll stay, amen, in the kingdom. You're not going to be the you that you used to be. Everyone is going to see what God will do in your life. Did you notice that Jesus turned the water into wine? In Scripture, we find that wine is the emblem of the blood of Jesus. Perhaps that's the key to a transformed life, the blood of Jesus, I, I do believe that in this house, amen, Jesus can see the future you. I do believe that He knows who and what you can be. He knows the future that you are looking for. And hope is alive. So I wonder if because of the promise of Jesus, if you will let hope live in your heart today. The scripture uh, makes it very clear that He's not willing that any should perish. He does not want anybody to be lost. Amen. That means you. You say, well, what are you talking about, preacher? I'm saying, in this house today, there are those of you, amen, who have yet to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remitting or the washing away of your sins. That's a key element, amen. You have to have the blood of Jesus applied to your life. And you might say, well, I've been baptized before. Amen, my, my wife's grandfather, he used, to, he used to love to argue with me. I've already been baptized, you know. I've, I've been baptized, I'm good, And I said, Pap, how were you baptized? I was baptized, and we'd argue about how he was baptized. Come to find out, he had been baptized in the titles Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. When they baptized him, they said, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. But they didn't actually say the name. And so I begged Pap for years. I said, Pap, please let me baptize you in the name of Jesus. And he said, why do I need to be baptized in the name of Jesus? And I said, because that's the only name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And I said, furthermore, Pap, I want you to go, to go with me. And I sat down with him, tears in my eyes. I'm begging him. I'm going through the Scriptures. And I showed him every place in the book of Acts when people are being baptized for the first time, every time they say, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not once did they ever say, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And some people say, well, I preacher, I don't understand that. I don't get it because Jesus said baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost in Matthew 28. I, I understand what you're saying, but you got to understand what Jesus was saying. He said, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. What was the name? The name of the Father is Jesus. The name of the Son is Jesus. The name of the Holy Ghost is Jesus. When you've said in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. You've covered all of those bases. Acts 4.12 says there's no salvation outside of that name. So today, if you've not been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, you've not had His blood applied to your life. Well, Pastor, I don't know if, I, I don't know if I'm willing to uh, go that far today. Well, you don't take my word for it. Take the Scripture. That's what the Bible says. Amen. And I'm not trying to twist your arm, but I am telling you, if you haven't been baptized in Jesus' name, it's a real quick fix. You repent of your sins. You, 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 you turn your life over to God and say, God, I'm tired of going my own way. I'm going to submit to your word and I'm going to go your way. And then, after you have repented, you go back here into the back. You put on a robe. And you march down into the water. And we take you under the water in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you come up out of the water, you have had His blood applied to your life. That's how it happens. Amen. It's a simple process. Claire Booth Luce said, there are no hopeless situations. There are only people who have grown hopeless about them. I would challenge you to believe that you are not hopeless. Amen. Sometimes you got to preach to yourself. Sometimes you have to say, you know what, I I feel hopeless, but I'm not hopeless. Please do not give up. I know some of you are thinking about going and writing a letter to future me. Your, Your letter is not over yet. Amen. The letter is not finished yet. Regardless of what you wrote yesterday, you can write again today. Come on, the storybook is not finished. Send a letter to your future self. Send a message of hope and the promise of the future you that God has given you. Amen. You could say it like this. You could say, I was just an ordinary person. I had ordinary problems and regular setbacks, but Jesus found me. Amen. And today, there is hope for you if you will but repent of your sins and let Jesus change your life. If you'll come to this altar, amen, or you'll you'll pray right where you are and you'll say, God, I'm ready to turn my life over to you. I'm tired of doing the things that I have done and saying the things that I have said, the things that I know were not pleasing to you. God, please forgive me. I'm ready to go your way. When you start repenting and you start pouring yourself out, come on, you got to be empty before you can be filled, right? Just like in the story today, you've got to be empty before you can be filled. You've got the promise, Acts 2.39, amen, is the promise to you and to all who are afar off even as many as the Lord our God shall call and you might say well I don't know if he's calling me if you can hear my voice today he's calling you amen there's somebody that needs to be baptized in the name of Jesus There is somebody here today that needs to be baptized with the Holy Ghost today hallelujah hallelujah This promise is unto you that if you'll repent, amen, and you'll be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, you shall, somebody say, I shall. shall. Oh, some of you that need it, you didn't say it. Say it, I shall shall. be filled or receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I shall, I shall, I shall. It's going to happen. Some of you need to just just go ahead and admit it. It's going to happen, I shall. Amen. I'm going to be filled with the gift of the Holy How will I know that I have received the gift of the Holy Ghost? When we look through the book of Acts, it's very plain. Every time that they were receiving the Spirit for the first time, the sign or the evidence that they were receiving His Spirit was they spoke in a language that they did not learn before. The Scripture says a heavenly language. Amen. They spoke in a heavenly language. They spoke in tongues. And some people say, well, I don't know if I can speak in tongues. You can't on your own. But as the Spirit of God gives you the utterance, you will speak in a language that you never learned before. Amen. And that will be the evidence, the sign that God is filling you with His Spirit. And you will know, and everyone else will know, God has filled me with His Spirit today. He wants to baptize you with His Spirit. He wants you to be baptized, amen, in His name and His blood to wash away all your sins. But you have to make the choice. You've got the promise of a future you. Amen. Would you stand with me? You have the promise today. I didn't give you the promise. God gave you the promise. If it was me giving you the promise, then you could say, oh, pastor, that's a nice promise. But I'm not giving you the promise, Thomas. I'm not giving you the promise, Sheila. He gave you a promise. Amen. I'm not giving you the promise. He gave you the promise. I'm just reiterating His promise to you. The promise of the future you is better, amen, than the past. The promise of the future you, I don't care what you've been through or what you're going through right now, amen. The promise is for you. He's got better things in store. He wants to do greater things than you can even imagine. Your promise. Somebody say it, my promise. What is my promise today? The future me can be better than the former me. I don't know if you, if you really believe that, it's going to change the way that you live your life. Some people make New Year's resolutions of what they want to do and how I want to do this and I want to get better. And, and most of us, we start our diets every Monday. We start our exercise programs every Monday. And then on Monday, we start them on Tuesday. <laughs> Come on now. And sometimes we get to Wednesday like, I'll start next Monday. <laughs> I was going to start, you know, but I'm. here's the deal. We as humans, we tend to procrastinate, tend to put off. It's like, you know, I know there's a promise of a better me. God's given me a promise. I'll wait till next Sunday. Next Sunday is Easter, Resurrection Sunday. So that's a great Sunday. No, today's a great Sunday. Today's a great Sunday. Today is your Sunday. When Jesus entered into the streets of Jerusalem, He comes in uh, and they're all waving the palm branches and they're laying down their coats and they're welcoming Hosanna. Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord. And they're, they're worshiping Him. And all's great a week before. Amen. But then we know what happened. Things turned in just one week. And I'm not, I'm not trying to scare anybody or put fear in your heart. But we are not promised tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen between now and next Sunday. So you can't say, oh, I'll come back next Sunday, and then I'm just going to, I'm going to turn my life over to... Because what will happen is the same thing that happens to me with my dieting and my exercise. I'll start Monday, and then I'll start... No, I'm going to push to Tuesday, and then Wednesday comes, and it's the following. And, and so next Sunday, if you put it off till next Sunday, you'll come back, and you'll be like, if you make it back, you'll be like, the... the the following Sunday, that would be a better Sunday. No, today is your day. Amen. Today is it. Now is the time. If you've not been baptized in Jesus' name, I want you to tell somebody, hey, I'm going to repent of my sins and then I want to get baptized in Jesus' name today. Amen. I want to go down in the water today and have all my sins washed away. I don't want to leave here the way that I came in. And today is your day. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to pray and then I want to open up this altar. Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, for each and every one that's here today. And God, the promise that you have given us, the promise that the future us will be better than the former. And God, that you know that there are greater things ahead for each and every person in this place that will submit themselves to you and apply your word to their life in this place today. So God, I pray that you would give us the courage, Lord, and give us the confidence to step out in faith and to believe you, God, and to submit our life and put it in your hands today. And God, see the promise fulfilled that you have promised us from your word today. In Jesus' name.